0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by our good friend, Professor Tom Nichols, who has been up since the crack of dawn. You had to get up to do morning, Joe, so I appreciate the fact that you're uh, with us here on the podcast and and not excessively cranky. Yet. Yet, (laughs) yet. Okay, so uh, I was thinking about how to set the tone for our discussion to put us uh, both in the right mood, particularly you in the right mood. So let's start off with uh, something from uh, Professor Charlie Kirk. Uh, the the well known historian. I'm kidding. See Edward. now I'm <laughs> cranky. The uh, <laughs> Char- Charlie Kirk is an interesting phenomenon because. He's the he's the college dropout who uh, has raked in millions of dollars for a group called Turning Point USA, uh, which is what seventy-year-old uh, conservative donors think is the coolest thing in the world for getting uh, young people to turn to the right. And so he is a ubiquitous figure in Trump world um, with, with with his organization. And so the other day he went on this. This is what is this, like an internet thing that. Tucker Carlson does. It's sort of a. It's it's not his actual show. They just sort of sit around and they videotape and they put it online. Uh, But but Charlie Kirk is 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 sharing his deep thoughts about the state of the world, and it's just too perfect, Tom. It's just too good. Let's play Charlie Kirk. But I'm actually not. I'm an optimist, Tucker. I think that.
1: Self-sovereignty and determination is inevitable. I mean, in 1945, there were 55 countries in the world. There's well over 230. The trend <laughs> is micro-slicing yourself into a smaller way to back. govern yourself because you think that you have a certain custom or language. If there were 55 countries at the end of the Second World Wait, War? Really? That's There's according just... to Nigel Farage. So I'll, <laughs> have have no to, I'll have to triple check that.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but <laughs> let's pretend
1: it's 100. Bullshit. Right? Let's just, for argument's sake. <laughs> Because um, I, I never want to say anything that's untrue, but he just <laughs> no. said that yesterday on my podcast, and it oh, struck me as so true. interesting. Right. And it's probably true <laughs> when you think about it, because it's yeah, the times of Churchill, and they had a heavy em- em dominance <laughs> yeah, well, in powers. India and Southern Africa, right? Yeah, so that's, that's exactly probably right. right. India became three, three countries, yeah. though, right? India, <laughs> Pakistan, and Bangladesh. That's right. So, And Churchill never thought India could work, and we'll see if it does. But the trend <laughs> uh, uh, is actually uh, yeah. towards yeah. Yeah. less <laughs> global totalitarianism, not more. Uh, okay. So there there were, there were, (laughs) (laughs) wow.
2: I thought that I I actually, I, you know, I 55 countries. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd heard, I'd seen on Twitter that there was some, you know, Charlie Kirk said something stupid thing floating around on Twitter, but I, I, that I'm actually now less cranky because there was no way not to laugh through that. Um, but you know, if we're going to dredge this for a, an important point about our old movement and our former (laughs) comrades and former party. It's that when did stupid become cool? Yeah. Um, Because this isn't even just the kind of, you know, mistake of a tired mistake of, you know, saying that there are 57 states or uh, that, you know, you're in Vermont when you're in New Hampshire after a long day of campaigning. This is, this is like,
0: you know, rock solid stupidity. Yeah, we, we've gone uh, from, we've gone from Edmund Burke to Charlie Kirk, right? We've, we've gone from, you know, <laughs> from William F. Buckley Jr. to Charlie Kirk. See, I love the sourcing on all of this. I I I don't know if this is a deep <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> I, a I, I don't, I, yeah. So okay, but but okay, I, I do a, I do a podcast. You've done lots of interviews. So there's Tucker Carlson, who's a reasonably well educated guy who knows that it's complete bullshit that there's 55, but he goes, he's sitting there, and Charlie Kirk is pulling this totally out of his ass. And and Tucker Carlson goes, huh? Fifty five country, you don't say. Like, <laughs> in, interesting, not Imagine. like wait, wait, Charlie. Um, I don't want to embarrass you and myself by doing this. This is complete bullshit. Um, and by the way, if somebody says this on on this podcast, we're going to say no. I'm sorry, that's just not true. But but wow. Tuck, Tucker Carlson can't call out the stupid. This is the thing. He's not willing to say, uh, Charlie. Uh, I know you didn't finish school and you've never read a book in your life, but no, that's not true. But then it gets I, better when it's like, no, that, well, no, that's, that's what Nigel Farage said, <laughs> said on my podcast yesterday. You know, so in my in head, a, in
2: yeah. my head, listening to the audio, all I could see was Tucker's constipated face. <laughs>
1: He's always constipated.
2: Uh, right. He's got that kind of, you know, the dog tilting his head sort of. Uh, he's thinking real hard look. And, and you know, again, let's, the point of this is not to denigrate people that don't have a college education. I think the point is to denigrate people who don't know shit well, from Shinola and who don't and know what they don't know. stop them from talking
0: about important things as if they know what they're talking about. Well, you, then that's that's what's interesting is that is that Charlie Kirk's a pretty good example of of the of this loop of misinformation and crazy which is so I heard from some guy it's very that right. is kind of trumpy right it's like right. some guy many people tell, are saying there were right, many people are saying and I you know I I don't want to say anything that's not true so I should triple check that as opposed to doing what I just did <laughs> just like it well, out
2: if we're if and if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna decide to um um have a good laugh here because it was impossible not to, yeah. he's also misunderstanding why there were fewer countries. It's because there were, you know, empires um you know that uh, colonial that, powers. yeah, you know, it's like, well, there were far fewer countries in Africa. Well, yes, there was a reason for that. and he he uses, he says, well, you know, self sovereignty is inevitable. Well, first of all, sovereignty by definition is self sovereignty. There's no such thing as anything other than self sovereignty. But he's trying to make some kind of larger point about countries and nations and states governing themselves. And in the end, the, the 55 countries thing that's really a, a small and forgivable bit of dumbassery in the middle of this. The bigger problem is he has no idea what he's talking about or why he's talking about it. Okay. That's become the thing. It's like, look, I I think I have to make a point about countries and globalization and nations and states, and so I'm just going to keep talking while Tucker Carlson you know, looks like he's kind of straining away. Going, interesting, isn't that something? Do
0: go yeah. on, fascinating. Yeah, 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 that's do do go on. I mean, again, there's there's always the option when someone says something like this, you can edit the tape or you not. You don't put it up on. Bad, they, they don't care. It do, just doesn't matter anymore. I mean, this is this no. is the wonderful thing about being a right wing media personality. There are no consequences. There are no standards. You are uncancelable. I mean, that, that's kind of a that's kind of liberating, right? I mean, you can say anything. And they're there
2: for the experience. They're not there to learn. They're not there to debate. They're not there. They're not there to have a discussion. They're not there to be kind of prodded into thinking about things. They're there. They remind me of the um, uh, the scene in an otherwise really bad movie in the big chill, the old um, boomer classic where uh, a really stoned William Hurt is watching a movie. And he has no idea what it is. And finally, after he gets asked enough time, he says, look, man, sometimes you have to just let art flow over you. (laughs) And I think that's become conservative media. You know, it's like, look, I don't even know what this is about. I I just know that Laura Ingraham or, you know, is really mad and Charlie Kirk's on a rip and Sean Hannity is chewing on his pencil and throwing a football around and, you know, losing his mind. And it just all feels good. And sometimes you just have to let it flow over you.
0: Okay, so let, let's talk about uh, po- politics. Let, let's get into something deep and serious, okay? Um, we'll, we'll work up to the insurrection and democracy and all of those other things. Uh, but I, I find it very interesting what's going on in Florida and Texas, where they're kind of in a race for one another uh, to who can be the most uh, anti, anti-vaccination or at least anti-vaccination passports. Uh, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, following the lead of Ron DeSantis in Florida, yesterday signed legislation that would ban private businesses or governmental entities from requiring any sort of a proof of vaccination from either their employees or their customers. Let's just play about uh, 40 seconds of uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott.
2: Texas is open
0: 100 percent,
2: and we want to make sure that you have the freedom to go where you want without limits any the texas legislature passed a law that i am about to sign that prohibits vaccine passports in texas no business or government entity can require a person to provide a vaccine passport or any other vaccine information as a condition of receiving any service or entering any place i want to thank the texas legislature for getting this bill to my desk
0: so Tom Nichols, uh, interesting spin on the concept of small government and freedom. Yeah, uh, you know, the if you want to know what the
2: United States would look like in a completely Republican dominated government, it's uh um you know, it's executives sitting behind a desk like Trump did, um saying I hereby decree that you are not the boss of me. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> but you know, imagine the, the being this is, this is great if you're a my freedom guy, um, but not so great if you're a business. This basically says, um, you know, why doesn't he just, as, and a lot of folks, you know, went after Abbott on social media in a kind of laughing way about it, but there's a serious point behind it. Why not just say, um, you can't put up the no shirt, no shoes, no service sign. Who are you to tell me I can't walk into a restaurant barefoot? Why can't I, you know, sit down for dinner uh, shirtless? um you know why not since when did since when did since when did
0: private businesses have rights well this is what's interesting about it because th- they're you know pushing this all on the don't tread on me freedom agenda but it's really it's kind of morphed into this again use of coercive government power to Protect what the citizenry from the tyranny of health mandates by Waffle House, because um, somebody might actually some business might decide that it's in the interest of my business, my employees, my customers to to have this kind of requirement. So here's a, a party that has claimed that it was pro private enterprise, private property, pro business, small government. And here's a big government mandate telling private citizens what they can't do on their own premises. Yes. it's. I mean, it is
2: anti-conservative in every way. The Republicans have become the party of, Of first, I think the Republicans are now neck and neck with the Democrats for becoming the, the nanny staters of all time. Um, <clears throat> but it's also become the party of coercive government power for culture war ends. This isn't. This is no different, and in some ways far more dangerous because it involves a pathogen. It involves a pandemic. This is no different than some of the things that you would expect to see out of a you know left wing city council in California, or, or you know in uh, in a college town, except that it's done with you know kind of a Texas twang, and it's right. done with a sense of freedom, and it's it's just red meat aimed at people whose understanding of democracy and freedom. Is at the level of a toddler who says, I have the right to pull my shoes off, you know, or pee and poop anywhere I want to
0: because I am free in the way that, you know, animals are free. I I, want to make a point that is only partially snarky. And actually, I think it's 60-40 not snarky, but I'm, I'm reading Governor you know, Abbott's comments. Texans should have the freedom to go where they want without any limits, restrictions, or requirements, which sounds great, but does he actually mean that? No, no. Okay, so here's my thought experiment, all right? And I tried this in my newsletter this morning, and I, I, I actually hope people will spend at least like 30 seconds thinking about it. Okay, so imagine... The modern day Abbots and DeSantises of the world, how they would react to original proposals, for example, to require people to carry driver's licenses hmm? or put okay. license plates on their cars if they have the ability to go wherever they want to do without any restrictions whatsoever. I mean, I can sort of imagine if this came up now, it would be Mark of the Beast. See, they're trying to require papers. Please don't tread on me. I'm really not kidding here now think yeah. about it think about this this mentality if we were starting over and people said okay you can drive a car we can go anywhere but you know what you're gonna have to have a number on the plate so the government will know who you are you have to register that car and you have to carry an identification card with you that shows that you know how to use that car oh my yeah, god these people would lose their freaking minds
2: it's a it's um it's the return of the paranoid style in american politics. Um, But even more than that, it is a complete redefinition of everything that we ever understood to be conservative. You know, you get this all the time, as I do, about, oh, you know, you conservatives were always wrong and conservatism was always bad. And it's just such a tiresome and annoying, uh, you know, drumbeat. Mm -hmm. But when people say, well, what, what was it? You know, what did you guys stand for? Well, for one thing, conservatism always stood for order versus kind of entropy or anarchy, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is where there was the authoritarian streak in conservatism because conservatives said, you know, an orderly society, a place where, you know, people do have to have license plates on their cars. of course, in the 60s, you know, in the 50s and 60s, it was people on the left saying, hey, man, (laughs) you know, you can't license me. You know, I'm too free. I'm too, you know, I'm a spirit of the world, man. I don't carry a license Conservatives were the ones who said, no, you know, cars have to be identifiable and you have to be licensed to drive yeah. one. And, you know, there was this kind of innate conservative notion that order is good. But now, conservatism ordered- means it, it's it's yeah. conservatism is anarchy. It's, it's, it's nihilism. It's, you know, my freedom is completely without limits. And if I want to walk in with four guns, I don't know if anybody saw the picture on Twitter, the guy walking around with four guns strapped to him, um, you know, to make the point that he could walk into a store with open carry, um, you know, that's, that's become the new symbol of, I'm going to use little air quotes here, conservatism, uh, because conservatism means pissing everyone off because I can, because mentally I'm three years old.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, even know if I want to use the word conservative to describe that. But you know, conservatism used to have be, be described as you know the belief in ordered liberty. Now that's a balance, ordered liberty. Um, people might say, well, that's a contradiction of terms. No, not not at all. You know that 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 is the conservative sensibility was you balance order with liberty. You don't go one way or the other way. And of course, that balance is completely is completely gone right now, just just like the balance between the needs of society and the community need to be balanced against individual freedom, That the, the balance. Right now, it's like, you know, fuck the community. If I want to do this, I'm going to do whatever I want. So, I want to get your sense because you you are of course uh, famous for your deep thoughts about uh, uh, the etiquette of flying on airplanes and everything. Uh, <laughs> Ronda DeSantis is going all in and saying that uh, none of the cruise ships should be able to require any sort of proof of of vaccination. Uh, and the cruise, interestingly enough, the cruise ship <laughs> industries are going, wait, 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 we kind of want to get back going. And this would help us if we could assure our passengers that we wouldn't become a floating petri dish dish of pandemic. So would you, would you get on a cruise ship uh, anytime soon this year? I mean, you want to get back to life, right?
2: No. And I, I mean, I, I am not a cruise ship guy to begin with. Um, I'm, But if I had to be on a cruise ship, if somebody said, you know, uh, we'd like you to, I don't know, do a speaking gig or, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, you, you need to get from Boston to Florida and all the airplanes are gone and you have to, I am vaccinated. I wouldn't worry about it. But, uh, as I said on Twitter, my biggest (laughs) concern, my biggest concern would be that a boat full of unvaccinated people from Florida would be by definition being trapped on a ship full of assholes. (laughs) um and so i i you know i just wouldn't want to have to socialize with a bunch of you know people it was it was decided, a movie
0: wasn't it a ship of assholes <laughs> it
2: was
0: no, famous, <laughs> <laughs> see i think and, the other and if not uh, there should be but you know
2: that they're got a bunch of people trying to make each other sick to make a point and desantis this is why desantis is you know the, the uh, among the worst of the worst he's he has broken the code he's like yeah, um, yes. I can do performative, uh, as you and I have often called it, performative assholery and do these dumb things and throw these to the, throw this red meat to the rubes who don't, you know, don't know any better and don't <coughs> care. And, um, you know, and I'll be president that way.
0: And it actually might work for them. And it might work. I did see one point that I thought was actually pretty interesting uh, reason not to get on a cruise ship under these circumstances, which is that, you know, even though you're vaccinated and you, you won't get sick, the fact is that if you are on a cruise ship with a thousand other people who are not vaccinated, um, there's a possibility that they could infect one another and that you would be caught in a quarantine and that you would be one of the people who'd be caught up. Right, um, you know, you know, stuck three miles out while they, you know, do all the testing and everything. And of course, if you hold up your 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 vaccine passport, uh, what you're not supposed to look at that, or I don't, I don't know. So no, it, would right.
2: a, it would be it would be a nightmare. But again, does the governor of Florida care? No. He wanted to get out. I mean, I'm sure he's vaccinated, and I'm sure that you know he's not planning on spending ten days on a cruise ship. But it he it made for a great. Uh, moment right to stand up and say look at me defending uh you know th- i mean these guys issue these these edicts and ukazes as if they are reading the universal declaration of the rights of man um when in fact all they're doing is just throwing um big t-bones of stupid uh to their t-bones to
0: their of- <laughs> to their base and it's it's appalling all right, so we have breaking news today, uh, and I, I I'm confess that I have not had a chance to to read the whole thing. Uh, the this is the the new findings from the Senate uh, Senate report. Um, it, apparently, it's a one hundred and twenty eight page uh, Senate report about uh, January six. Interestingly enough, the final twenty-two pages of this one hundred twenty-eight page Senate report on the insurrection is just a transcript of Donald Trump's speech on the day of the of the attack on the Capitol. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, it, I mean,
2: you know, much like the the audio that was just released with um, Rudy Giuliani, mm-hmm. you know. Are all the things that we suspected, did anybody really think these things were not going to be, uh, turn out to be true? Um, You know, that that Trump incited this insurrection and directed people to go where they were going. Um, Of course that was going to be the case. And of course it was the case that Rudy called Ukraine and said, Uh, you know, uh, if you were to play ball, some good stuff, I mean, a friend of mine could make a friend of yours, a thing could happen. And I don't want to say what that thing is, but it's a thing and you want it. And you know, um, these guys were a bunch of mafia goons. They knew exactly what they were doing. Trump knew what he was doing. The Senate knew what Trump was doing. And that's what makes the behavior of the Senate Republicans, even all the more shameful.
0: You also saw that uh, the my home state Senator Ron Johnson, along with Tommy Tuberville, Mike Lee, Rick Scott, and Ted, Gru- Ted Cruz, all sent a letter yesterday to the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, requesting information on what they called the unequal application of justice for the insurrectionists and, and the Black Lives Matter protesters last summer. So w- once again, we're 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 seeing this extraordinary revisionism. I will say that among the things that I did not totally expect was the way in which larger and larger portions of the Republican Party are embracing the insurrectionists as somehow victims, victims of an overweening uh, federal government that, that, they, that they, in fact, are being persecuted. I, I, I thought a lot of things would happen. I, this is This is an interesting development, isn't it? Interesting, in quotes.
2: Well, I'm I'm just gonna say that I, you know, was an early adopter on calling out Mike Lee as being full of shit about his loyalty to the Constitution. Um, you know that that was oh the great constitutionalist from Utah. Um, you know, and I just thought that was always a lot of um, uh, you know, what am um, camouflage. Uh, You know, for the fact that if though, if constitutional principles ever came into conflict with things that Mike Lee thinks are good, that the constitution would be uh, the victim of that, of that collision. And so, no, it doesn't, you know, I I think what's surprising me is that they are saying it so bluntly, you know, uh, instead of saying, look, uh, we're not holding Trump responsible for this, but the people who attack the Capitol must be brought to justice because we are a nation of laws. You know, the, the things we would have expected normal people to say in any party in previous years are now simply um, not available in, you know, it's like the brains of Republicans Elected Republicans cannot process those words. And so instead it's like, Hey, here's a good idea. Why don't we all get together and basically being like a Senate coalition for the legal defense of insurrectionists and seditionists? Because again, there, I mean, I, Charlie, you, you, you know, Ron Johnson better than anybody. I mean, John, I I think Johnson is actually stupid and believes all this, but I think with, with Cruz and Scott and, you know, um, I think they know exactly what they're doing and they're saying this is what, you know, again, they live in fear. Uh, George Will had a great line about a month ago. This is a new phenomenon in American politics, an American, a great American political party, a once great party that is terrified of its own voters.
0: Yeah. That's literally true. Okay, let's make everybody mad. Uh, since we've gotten this far into the podcast, let's talk about uh, Joe Manchin and HR one and uh, what the Democrats are doing on, on on Capitol Hill. So, first of all, give me your take on 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 Joe Manchin. Um, I, I I I I was actually amused by some of the people. Actually, amused as in I think they made an interesting point, saying uh, you know how Democrats right now are feeling about Joe Manchin. There were a lot of conservative Republicans who felt that way about Joe uh, John McCain. A few years back. And John McCain was considered a maverick, an independent, mm-hmm. a courageous lone voice. Joe Manchin's not getting that treatment right now, is he?
2: No. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you two versions of Joe Manchin. One is the, you know, why everybody is mad at him, and the other is why everybody shouldn't be mad at him. Um, you know, first, if you don't like Joe Manchin, what Joe Manchin's doing, the answer for Democrats is uh, elect more senators. Joe Manchin has the power he does because, you know, you Democrats fell short when you should have been rolling. Uh, You know, thank goodness you pulled off uh, Georgia. But, you know, the reason Joe Manchin is in the catbird seat here is because you only have 50 senators and that, you know, is going to put Manchin and Sinema and others um, at the fulcrum of power. The way it always does when you have a divided Senate, the, the, the least ideologically committed or the least ideologically pure members of your coalition or caucus will be the kingmakers. And, you know, this is, Republicans are not immune to this. Um, Here's a name from the past for you, Charlie, Jim Jeffords, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. Republican from Vermont who people said, the guy's such a liberal, you know, and he ought to just vote with the Democrats. And one day, Jim Jeffords said, he said I, way, will. Yep. Yeah, I guess I will.
0: And so, you know, before you get too mad and at the Senate Minchin, Ford, and the Senate control flipped as a result of that. Uh-huh, yeah. and,
2: and Jeffords, uh, you know, again, to use another great movie line uh, from LA confidential, Jeffords made his play. He got what he wanted is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he knew what he was doing. Um, so, you know, If you want to play that game with Joe Manchin, then keep practicing the words Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell again and see how you feel about that. The place where I think Manchin gets a lot of legitimate static is that he kind of plays this babe in the woods thing about saying, well, I'm sure 10 other Republicans out there, you know, that there must be besides Mitt Romney. I mean, I'm sure we could just, you know, I'm shocked, shocked. We can't get to a bipartisan resolution, and this is, I think, where I totally understand the frustration of Democrats who want to grab Manchin by the lapels and say, "Look, either you're either you're being disingenuous or you're being stupid. Which is it? Because this is never going to happen. You are not going to. Mitch McConnell has already made his choice. You are not going to get ten Republicans for anything. You know, you could pass the, you could pass the, you know. Uh, the 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 motherhood and apple pie, you know, co-sponsored by Jesus Christ himself. And Well, that, the well that was the January
0: 6th commission. If you, if you can't get 10 votes for the take- January 6th commission, that ought to be kind of the red flag. This is not going to happen. I love the quote over the weekend. It was something like, Manchin said something like, well, he's still optimistic that, that Republicans, you know, his Republican colleagues would look into their souls and realize they needed to do X, Y, or Z. And my reaction to that was, um, Senator Manchin, uh, they've been looking into their souls for the last four years, and they've come up empty over and over and over again. Why do you think it's going to be different this time?
2: Yeah, or, or they've even worse, they've looked into their souls, and there is this, you know, kind
0: of howling evil voice that says, Do it, you know, yeah, do, do, do. <laughs> you'll get away with it. Okay, no, so, here, so here, it. Here, here's the problem, and this is where I'm, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. Um, and and I'll get blowback for this, but you know, the Democrats sometimes are very bad at politics. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this the whole HR one thing, um, this bill was never going to pass, there was never a chance it was going to pass, it wasn't written. To pass, you don't have an 800-page omnibus bill like that, you know, to jam through on a, on a, on a partisan basis, and yet they've had all sorts of off ramps to break it down, to come up with different alternatives, to go with the John Lewis bill, and so Joe Manchin, in a sense, just simply called out the political reality. And I yes. do wonder whether or not there's 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 an element of delusion going on in the Democrats that with a four vote margin in the House and no vote margin in the Senate that, you know, let's go pedal to the metal. You know, the progressives are saying they're fed up with all the pussy fitting around. It's time to, you know, it's go time. Go time where? Yeah. What, what, what are you talking about? The most and revealing. I, yeah. The most revealing comment on this was a was a Democratic staffer uh,
2: in The Washington Post who said, do you think Manchin was the only guy who had a problem with right. this? And his exact quote was, fuck no. No. Uh,
0: that, he, he's the know, front guy on that. Yeah.
2: He's just the front guy on that. And I think there, there's a couple of things going on here. One is Republic, Republicans are so uh, afraid of their own base that they do crazy stuff. Democrats, I think, don't trust their base to keep showing up unless they can shovel goodies you know, by the wagon load out the front door, they keep saying things like, but if we don't do all these things and we don't show that Biden can deliver on all these things, then our base, you know, and, and my answer is your base is what, what they're going to vote for Ron DeSantis for president. I mean, what does that mean? Your base will be uh, concerned. Um, You know, this was, I think this is the one huge difference in how Republicans and Democrats do politics. That Republicans grumble and they say, yeah, I didn't get what I wanted. And, you know, I mean, with Reagan, I mean, you know, again, you and I are both old enough to remember Reagan in 84 and the evangelicals. We didn't get prayer in school. We didn't get abortion banned. We didn't get this. And the Reagan staffer who said, screw them, what are they going to do, vote for Mondale? And, of course, they all came back and they all voted for Reagan because, you know, grumble, grumble, they weren't going to vote for Mondale. Um, but well, the other- there was no
0: there was there was no conservative talk radio in '84. There was no Fox News in 1984. There was no um, you know v- vast grifter outrage industry out there that was you know willing to to you know stoke dissent back then. So that was that was actually a, a much a, a kinder and gentler era for a conservative president back in 1980.
2: Well, and also I think you had stronger conservative leaders who would have said no. I don't yeah. take my marching orders from a guy on AM radio. Right. Um, you know, that, that I think it just the idea, you know, that Rush Limbaugh was going to tell Ronald Reagan what to do is pretty funny. Um, but the Democrats are perpetually terrified that if they don't somehow pull off everything all at once. And there's also, I, I think, you know, Joy Reid, of all people, when talking to our friend Tim Miller mm-hmm. yesterday, was like, why don't Democrats get this? Uh, and I think Democrats are terrible at the marshmallow test. Um, one of the great uh, um,
0: wait, wait, what is the marshmallow test?
2: Well, the marshmallow test is that test they give to kids where you can have one marshmallow when I come back in the room if you don't touch the one that's here now. And of course, you know, it's a test of impulsive behavior, mm-hmm. right? That the kids gobble up the marshmallow and they go, Okay, I ate it. You know, um, they're bad at incremental wins and taking a kind of longer view. Guys like McConnell, I always say to Democrats, be like Mitch, he plays the long game. He takes his incremental wins, he picks the things he knows he can win, and he twists the arms of his coalition to make sure he gets them, and he does it in pieces over time. Whereas I think Democrats have this notion of, well, we're in power, and we will never not be in power, and so we'll just kind of, you know, as you say, put the pedal to the metal, Uh, but I I just think that that is always a short sighted approach to, to politics. And I think they, I don't know why they don't get it, except that they are constantly worried that their own coalition is so fractious and unreliable that if they don't have constant, um, Constant victories on everything that their coalition goes home and watches TV, which I think is unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I, I I do think that there's a a strain of pragmatism in the Democratic Party that obviously resulted in Joe Biden being the nominee as opposed to uh, as opposed to Bernie Sanders. But uh, I think part of it was the story that they were telling themselves. They were telling themselves that uh, that they were triumphant, that everything they were doing was massively popular, that they didn't need to worry about things like defund police or urban violence or any of those things. And they continue to tell
2: themselves. Even Biden was a near run
0: thing for a while. Very much so.
2: You know, as as
0: we now know.
2: Yes. You know, the, 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 the book on um, the Allen and Parnes book on, you know, the Biden campaign, for example, um, you know, Jim Clyburn saved the country. I mean, because the Democrats were having these big arguments about, well, should it be Bernie? Should it be Elizabeth Warren? I mean, they were sitting around thinking about the least electable people And I think here, let me, since you've gotten out on a limb to try and piss everybody off, I can't leave you out there by yourself. So I will say that in part, what I think happens with Democrats is they are very much addicted to the notion of politics as self-actualization, that they make political, their voters, and I, I mean, particularly their voters, say, what does this vote say about me? Does it make me feel good to vote this way? They are not a party. The Republicans have really mastered the art of holding their noses and gritting their teeth and saying, look, I want to win. I want my guy to win. I want the Republican party to win. And I want, you know, Kevin McCarthy to be the house speaker. And I want Mitch McConnell to be running the Senate. I I don't think the Democrats have gotten to that kind of level of party discipline where they are
0: capable of saying, this makes me feel bad, but I have to do it anyway well let's double down on this uh, pissing people off thing because the the other thing that, that um the democrats are not as good at as republicans is is, is picking their enemies and coming up with their talking points um it, you know it is interesting you know to watch how the right Coalesces around. We're going to go after Anthony Fauci now. You know, yes. Fauciism. This is going to be our thing. We're going to pound this, pound this, pound this, like they did with with Benghazi, like that, like they are doing now with Kamala Harris. And by the way, you notice that part of the strategy, the, the you know, you know, socialist left wing, um, you know, Democrats, is to kind of ignore Biden, say that he's simply a a you know a a, puppet, a, 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 right, a pop puppet, a figurehead, and the real power is Kamala Harris, who let's be honest, does not have all of his political skills. She's not she's kind of having a rough patch here. And so they're all focusing on that. Whereas Democrats are kind of all over the place. They have not focused on January 6th, for example, in the way that Republicans used to focus on things like Benghazi. The Republicans are better at, at naming it, at, at fixing and freezing their target and their enemy. Whereas Democrats feel like they're kind of all over the place. Right. Do you agree or not?
2: I right? absolutely agree. I agree on, enough, you know, right? and the I mean, I've had Democrats tell me, "Well, we're not like you. You know, mm-hmm. we're not. Li- we don't take orders. Um, you know, we don't march in step, and we don't do message discipline." Well, Fair that's enough. not necessarily an inherently conservative or Republican thing. I mean, you have guys like David Shore. Um, you know, some a, a gong I keep trying to bang every chance I get about David Shore saying, "Look, all all politics." You know, it used to be the, the tip O'Neill rule, all politics local. All politics are national now. And what you do in these D plus 55 districts washes over onto people in these, you know, D plus one or R plus two districts. And so you guys have to talk to each other and you have to get some kind of clarity. And I think you're right, Charlie, you said earlier it was like it was a story they told themselves that no, no, defund the police. No one, no one misunderstands that. Um, you know, no one okay. could possibly disagree with that. You know, one of the interesting, um, I was right stories that I'll just, since we're, you know, mm-hmm. tripling and quadrupling down and pissing people off. I said, you know, that, that Joe Biden might be a racist attack from Harris. That's gonna, that's gonna leave a mark. And I was reliably assured by very serious liberals. No, no, everybody understands just politics. They're friends. They were in the Senate. Well, from what we now know. That nearly cost her the spot, that that they looked for a lot of other people um, for the VP spot because the Biden people didn't want Harris there specifically because of that. And Democrats have this, this wish wishful thinking, this wish casting of, no, no, you can attack Joe Biden as a racist, but then tomorrow it'll all be bygones. Yeah. Or we can say defund the police. But all the, all the reasonable people understand that what we really mean is you know, don't hurt people. And I mean, it's just, it's almost like a childlike, in the same way that Republicans can only understand freedom as, you know, I want to, I, I am free to smear poop on the walls. Democrats seem to understand politics as if it makes me feel good, it can't be wrong and everyone will agree with me.
0: Well, you know, going back to this David Shore. Point, which which I don't think can be overemphasized, which is that all these politics, uh, all politics now are are national. Uh, the reality is that things that AOC says play in every single district. She's not just running in her own district; it's playing in Abigail Spanberger's district. It, it's right. uh, it's it's playing in Connor Lamb's district. It's playing everywhere at the same time. So that's the reality, and. Again, I I think this is part of the problem of that both sides and people hate that phrase both sides, but both sides now have their alternative realities, and when you begin talking to one another, you know so so intently, you probably are missing what voters who are going to decide who controls Congress are actually hearing from you and there have been a number of studies from democrats this this latest study from this uh, democratic group warning democrats that hey you know you you um you might have problems If, in fact, voters continue to think uh, the Democratic brand is letting your city burn and you're going to take away all your money, uh, you need to do something about that. Now, that's not true. I understand that it's not true. And I'm going to get all these emails saying, Charlie, you don't understand. We don't actually think that. Look, politics is also about communicating. It's also about the messaging. And it's also about the consequences of your ideas. Now, the flip side of this. Is that Republicans need to be held accountable um, and need to be called out for every one of their crazies? It's just that it appe- the right seems to be better at nationalizing the, the the excesses of the left more than the Democrats are successful at weaponizing the crazy, the dangerous, the seditious stuff on the right. Well, Am I wrong and, about and it? Is that just my perspective no, on it? I just I...
2: you're not you're not wrong, and um, you know. I think the tagline for today's podcast is Tom and Charlie piss off everybody. Well, yeah, Um, this This is the other, the other problem is that the Democrats seem, they almost seem to be helpless in the face of the conservative media machine. So when you say things to them, like, look, don't, don't use dumb slogans, like defund the police. they say, well, the rightists are going to call us socialists anyway. So we might as well do it. And it's like, well, well, okay. (sighs) you know in in the in the study of strategy and I, I, as always i have to add i don't represent the government or anybody you know by being here in the study of strategy you don't want to be what's called a cooperative adversary you you don't want to be the adversary who constantly plays into your enemy's tricks and s- snares and traps and the democrats are like well they're going to do it a- they're going to call us socialists anyway so let's go for socialism well don't be the thing that your opponents are trying to tar you with and so they kind of give up on their own messaging um but then they they even kind of go um further with this because they're they they decide that if messaging doesn't matter then It's okay to say things like birthing people instead of.
0: Oh, okay. This this is like great minds think like this. It was was literally what I was about to say. We we, look, I mean, can I just make this suggestion? We need the complete and total ban on the term birthing people. I mean, really?
2: Aside from, let us leave aside for a moment whether or not this term makes any sense at all. Let us leave this as a completely, let us be completely value neutral about the definitional issue of the term birthing people. The real question is when you have the house by a thread, when you are completely tied in the Senate and you are trying to pass an infrastructure bill, do you want to pull the pin on a grenade called birthing people that then becomes the thing that your opponents will talk about and then as and then you end up having to talk about it? And Charlie, you know, how many times do we have to tell people what's the rule in politics if you're
0: explaining <laughs> you're losing you you are Tom Nichols thank you so much for all your time uh today even though we've managed to piss everybody off but that, that that's what we do right I mean that's you what know, we do that's our what, brand we, what what is the point of doing these things if occasionally we don't rub people including ourselves the wrong way it's it's
2: good for it gets it gets the uh the heart up and uh you know it's good good for you it gets the gets the cortisol flowing so yeah, but
0: but but the good news is that tomorrow morning you and i will both wake up and we will not be charlie kirk so i mean that's there's there, there, there's there's that hey thank you all for listening to today's bulwark podcast i'm charlie sykes we will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again